Welcome to the Jungle Brothers Podcast. <laughs> You're here today without Joe. You're here with Jungle Brothers Polly and JBT Aura. Hello. And our special guest here, Nick Golkin. Good day. How are you? Good, how are you? Cool, cool. Uh, this is episode 104. Last week we spoke to Joe Taylor, uh, our head of our weightlifting program here in the gym. Um, Nick is another coach and um, yeah, it'll be good to get to know him today. Uh, before we do get started though, um, what have we got to talk about? We've got events coming up. We've got a BJJ beginners workshop here in the gym on the 17th of April. Uh, that is, if you're listening to this podcast, it would have come out Monday. That is this weekend. So reach out to us. Uh, all levels welcome. Beginners. So um, it'll be suitable for all types. Uh, nothing much else coming out in May. We've got um, a winter planning day here for our members. We've got this animal flow workshop coming into the gym. Actually, we have our internship workshop that's uh, coming up in May on the weekend of the 8th and 9th. And basically, we have an internship that runs in here in the gym. In the past, we've run four of them or five of them. Um, they happen over 12 weeks here in the gym. And what we found was that um, we had lots of people reach out to us that couldn't spend that time here or weren't from Sydney um, and so what we've done is we've put together a, a weekend intensive that's on Saturday the 8th or 9th. It's two full days and it's everything that we do here um, from the business aspect as a gym or for PTs, PT modelling within, within the gym, um, from sales to marketing um, and all of it. Uh, so reach out to us um, and get involved. There are some spaces left. Um, other than that, yeah, we're here at the podcast doing the thing. Joe's uh, busy today, so it's just the three of us. Um, Nikki Golkin, what's happening? Uh, not much. First ever podcast, so I'm super excited, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Uh, I do. I do. So um, my favorite way to spend time on a Sunday, actually, is just completely disconnect from all social media, go for long walks and listen to podcasts. So is that true? That's probably my primary form of learning these days. Wow. Yeah. So I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan, Tim uh -huh. Ferriss, um, a lot of movement podcasts, uh, JB's as well. Very good. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> that so. was like fourth down the line though. But um, <laughs> we're, we're gaining on, the, on, on Joe Rogan. So I had to answer the door. No Two worries. guys selling wa uh, water, water, can, water, selling water. It's fucking weird, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> selling water. It's like selling air, isn't it? Well, wow, some air for you. It, 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 that might be the case. It might be, you won't be laughing well, maybe I'm in 50 years from don't now. Don't say that. No. Scary. Yeah. Not It'd if Jungle Brothers had anything to do with it. Um, That's right. Podcasts, uh, it's your primary way of learning. Why is that, you reckon? I mean, I know. I listen to a lot too. Uh, I guess um, you could do it anywhere. Um, so usually when, I, mm, when I'm driving mm. or I'm walking – when I'm in the supermarket, so I, I prefer to utilize that utilize that time um, well. So I try to learn as much as possible. Um, audiobooks go really well as well, uh, but podcasts tend to be a lot more free flowing and a lot more current as well. Mm. Uh, so I get a lot of insights from there. And if I pick up on a person that's of a particular interest to me or a particular topic, I then go on and dig deeper. So I would read a lot on that uh, and explore. Um, in another time but yeah podcasts are great for exposure yeah i mean if there's a listener out there listening to this we're kind of preaching to the choir here 
they're listening to them. They're great these days. They're convenient. And, you do, you know, with this kind of long format stuff, you really get to, to dig into something and it's very accessible and all that stuff. Yep, yep. And depending on the podcast as well, <coughs> some of them are um, what about learning, but, um, you know, uh, others are great for banter. And just entertaining, entertainment. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. and uh, yeah, the G- the JB podcast is a great mix of <laughs> all those things. So, yeah, you've done really well. I really enjoyed listening to you guys. So, uh, oh, year, so. And oh actually, that's a lovely thing to say. Thank you, JB podcast. Um, the first one I listened to was about the internship, and that's how I ended up connecting with Joey and ended up doing the internship here. There you go. Yeah. As Amazing. I was just kind of taking people through it. Yeah, uh, it was it was just great because you laid out your you know philosophy of training uh, in a way that was really relatable, and I just realized I got to do this, and I listened to it at the right time just before it kick started. So awesome! That's right, I remember now. And you had been doing your, your but before that you were doing you did the internship with AIM, is that right? Uh, was it before then, or was there an internship there, or um, how did you meet? Um, how did you meet? Vic? Yes. Uh, so I wasn't doing an internship there. What I was doing was a coaches development program. So coaches development program was, um, it was a membership at AIM essentially with um, two classes that catered primarily to coaches. So that's where we'd train for hours and go deep into uh, particular concepts. Uh, and we would have uh, an online group where we would share knowledge uh, between us and other coaches that were from other cities or other countries. Um, but there was an internship as well, but there was, um, there was a long, uh, I think week would take on students for like six months or so. And mm-hmm. they would, uh, they would be a part of the gym day to day, um, just slaving away and learning as much as possible through, you know, doing the coaching. So it was a different structure from what you guys do here. Yeah. So sure. Vic, yeah. Vic Hawksley, he is a coach. We know we've known Vic for years now. And he runs certified beast. I, um, aim is anatomy in motion, in um, North Shore. North Shore. North, North Shore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just some letters. Or some letters. Yeah. yeah. That's a smaller gym, but uh, Vic is an absolute beast of a of a human. What do you and he's he's almost on the, the that line of obsessive with his approach to to. Well, to to exercise and exercise prescription, it's very good in at a what fully he does. complimentary way. Um, yeah, he's yeah, amazing. Like he's what he amazing. Does. But I only know him as a like on a on a friendship level. I've never trained under him, but I'm guessing he would be he would be quite a taskmaster. Is he is he a whip cracker? Is he fucking is he cracking yeah. that whip? He has a dominant personality. I gotta <laughs> say that, and uh, yeah, it is. Um, he is very particular about. You know, he's his methods and he knows what works uh, for most people. So when you're out there training at AIM, you would be training under his philosophy 100%. Yeah. So uh, you wouldn't be able to do like your own training in the open gym, whatnot. Uh, uh, you would be under supervision. Mm. And um, the classes are quite small and the coach's attention to everyone is very... Uh, very intimate, isn't it? It's very intimate and they're very strict on things like form and... Stuff like that, great. Uh, which is which is great. Uh, it worked for me really well at that time, but then eventually, once um, I learned, you know, um, I thought I learned enough from Vic, and yeah. I considered him a great mentor of mine. That's exactly what I needed at the time. Uh, once I realized what worked for me, uh, I wanted to explore more, 
freedom and uh, different training styles. He wasn't going to let you dance in the gym. <laughs> you, you also dance as well, yeah. Uh, I do dance. Yeah, yeah, I've done. I've done a lot of um, salsa and Latin dancing in the last few years. Yeah, give us a give us a full a background before we get fully deep because we we want to get to know you here. I, I know you as a, a strong body weight background and uh, and, and a, an amazing dancer. Um, and I love when I see coaching classes here and stuff. You're using your exposure to dancing inside our, our warm-ups and inside the programs that we have. That's exactly what our class is supposed to have. It's like uh, coaches that come in with their own diverse backgrounds and, you know, giving them the freedom to use those and apply them uh, inside of our programs. Um, so where did it where did it start for you, body weight strength? Was it at AIM or had you already been doing it beforehand? Well, um, if you're born and raised in Russia, it's pretty hard to, to avoid by training. Russian. Yes, yes. So I was... Um, See that that or ballet, isn't it? Yes, or ice hockey. Ice hockey. Yeah, yeah. things like that. Whereabouts in Russia are you from? Not that I know the area well. The Far East. Far East. Uh, so it would be the same time zone as Sydney, actually. Incredible. Yeah, a small town called Khabarovsk. Well, it's not that small. It's probably about the size of Newcastle. How do you say it? Habarovsk. Habarovsk. Yeah. That's probably a small town in Russia though, isn't it? Yeah, compared to places like Moscow that, you know, has fifteen or twenty million people, it is pretty small. But it's it's perfect size for a town to grow up in. So it's not too small. Uh, but you have all the things that, that you need, such as education, you know, um, sports clubs and community. Community, yeah. Uh, so that was pretty good. Um, so I grew up there in the nineties, uh, when Russia was in a pretty bad state. Um, we didn't really have good gyms for a long time and they only started to pop up around like 2000s. Um, but the good thing about like the Soviet Union uh, was that everyone was encouraged to be active. So every apartment uh, complex would have an, an outdoor gym. Okay, because I, I, I think I see this in YouTube and on videos and stuff and I think, oh, am I tripping? Is this just my perspective of things or is there bar parks on every corner yes yes there is. there's a lot of them and um mad they were most of them were built in like the 80s um the 70s uh but now nowadays you know whenever there's a new development people <laughs> put another one in so that was great uh and uh Become it was, part of the culture yes yes right. in fact uh every school almost every school uh has them so you'd have um you know your chin up bars your deep bars and a whole bunch of um Monkey bars, yeah, some uh, benches. Yeah, so you could play around on those. Uh, they wouldn't right. be able to be built like that in Australia because a lot of them actually have uh, concrete. <laughs> so if you fall, if you're a little kid, you fall and like you, you know, crush your head, then uh, that's it. it. That's on you. So <laughs> in Russia, people don't really bother. Survival of the fittest, right there. Exactly. Just exactly. getting rid of the weak ones. Yeah. Um, why everyone's so strong over there? That's we need we more of that here. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Isn't it incredible though? Like. Um, and, you know, th it's just the environment, um, whether you are forcing people to interact with it or not, just because it's there, people will kind of use it. Like, for instance, what would happen if we built a bar park, you know? Outside in, our out, gym. Out, well, and everywhere around no one Sydney. Would, join it. would you think that, that you, would, you would kind of assume or you'd think that that would increase the physicality of the general population if we had bar parks absolutely everywhere? over time yeah I, I definitely think so um provided that people aren't just you know sitting on their tablets and phones inside all the time 
Um, or we've well, built cafes. But on plus, it, there's also, I think, um, there's a the, to build the culture, you need the education as well, you know, mm. and a mm. focus on those areas. I think if, because um, we still got them over here, but they're not Far and few. very good. And they're all OH&S safe and the ground's padded and the chin-up bars are like nose height, so you can't even hang without your feet touching ground. They're almost built to accommodate um, a level of decrepitcy in a way. And then next to it, you've got a bunch of machines that you sit on and you push and pull, which again, do the same kind of thing. That it's not quite the same, you know? So it's almost like somebody's looked at what's happening elsewhere and tried to build a, uh, like a, this model without the, the education, the knowledge or the, or the help of a, of, um, of a culture, you know? How did you start? Did you just go start playing on the bars or did you have a crew or did it come through like a school gym program? I actually started just in my parents' bedroom uh, doing crunches with my feet locked under their bed. So that was a perfect setup for me. Um, I think it was at the highs of puberty, around 12 or 13 or 14 years old. Um, <laughs> the highs. Yeah, I just wanted to look good. So I uh, started doing a lot of crunches, started doing push-ups uh, just at home. And my dad Picks also- Yeah. Always. Yeah, they're the they're the muscles you see in the mirror. That's why. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, my dad also set up a suspended chin up bar in my bedroom, so I could do chin ups, and I had a few dumbbells awesome. lying around as well, so doing the curls for the girls. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I knew that um, that was the foundation of it. So yeah, you know the chin ups, uh, push ups, and crunches. And I did a lot of them every day. So for, for a number of years, I would, um, I would do like 100 push-ups, 100 crunches, a few chin-ups here and there. Uh, and that got me to a point where I looked pretty good. Uh, when you're young, so young, just going through puberty, the, the hormones, like the testosterone that's pushing you forward, I think it's going to ensure that like you get gains no matter what you do. If there's any training stimulus, you could do a lot of stupid mistakes, do too much volume, and you'll, you'll still grow. Uh, and I think uh, I took a great advantage in that. So uh, that's where I started. Eventually, I uh, joined the gym with my mate, uh, who's also called Nick. Um, but he was quite different from me uh, in body types. He was a lot more stalky. Um, he had like a body of, um, of a power lifter. And so we mm. started training together using weights, um, a combination of weights and body weight exercises. And what I noticed that uh, even though I was initially a lot stronger, he benefited a lot from, from weight just because of his uh, body type, mm -hmm. uh, whereas I wasn't getting the same gains. Um, back in the day, we had no idea what we were doing. So we were doing the same, the same weights and the same program essentially together. Um, but I was, um, I was growing a lot better from body weight stuff, whereas he did a lot better with weights. Um, and that's... <laughs> That's how I spent most of the time in high school, just training in that way. And eventually I just plateaued uh, and stopped training altogether. So my focus shifted to academic pursuits. Uh, I wanted to move overseas as far away from Russia as possible. Uh, and I knew that in order to do that, I needed to focus on my studies. So I uh, eventually ended up changing schools, moved to a school uh, that was like the highest ranked selective school in the state. And so, um, I had to double down on my maths, my physics, computer science, which were the most important subjects. 
and I had to make sure uh, um, to make sure that I learned English really well <laughs> to um, to get admitted into university somewhere like um, you know Canada or Australia. You yeah. say um, you want to get as far away from Russia as possible. What was the driver behind that? I think I just wanted adventure. Um, I knew that if I'd stayed in my hometown, it would be easy for me. Um, so uh, it would be easy for me to get an education. Uh, it would be easy for me to buy an apartment, um, get a cushy job. You know, my parents would probably help me with that. Um, but I wanted adventure and adversity in some sense, and I wanted to experience the world. So making that first step the, as big as possible, uh, I thought that would push me to the you know, to my limits at the time. So, yeah, and Australia ended up the place that, that I picked uh, for a couple of random reasons. I had some friends who had moved here earlier. Uh, and I also wanted to escape winter because winter really sucks in Russia. I bet. Yeah. How, um, how bad does it suck? Like, what are we talking? Uh, we talking in my hometown. The coldest I've experienced was minus 48 degrees. Oh, Celsius. Celsius, yes, that is oh pretty cool. But <coughs> the average temperature in winter would be minus 20, 25, which is okay. But if you add wind to that, it feels a lot colder. Oh. Um, I don't I, really want to find out. Like living in a freezer. <laughs> well, yeah. how cold the freezer usually is? Like freezer is like, like 10 four. or something. Oh, yeah, four. something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so when you were studying, um, and oh, what did you study in the end? I did had you finish your studies there and then you came over here? I finished high school there Yep. and uh, I came over here to do a bridging program to get into university in Australia. Mm. Uh, the problem was the high school system in Australia, um, it's it's only 11 years of education uh, and it says it's How many not do you enough. want? <laughs> uh, you need 12 in Australia. Sorry, yes, yes. Yes, yes. so <laughs> and it's one extra year. So I had to do like a bridging course okay, just sure. to spend one year. I didn't learn anything new, <laughs> sure. Uh, but I learned all the same subjects just in English. And so that helped me to get into uni. I had no idea as an 18 year old what I wanted to study. Um, so I, you came here when you were 18? Yes, 18 uh, years old. And you were alone? Yes. Uh, I did I did have friends from high school that sure, moved to sure. Sydney as well, but we haven't really talked uh, since then. It's been about a decade. How did wow. your family feel about you moving overseas at 18? Um, it's pretty ballsy. Yeah, well, I think they, they always wanted to the best for me. And Russia, um, particularly back then, it was it was a pretty rough spot. And still these days, uh, it's hard to live there because, um, you know, the political circumstances and um, there's a lot of corruption. So there's no, there's no protection of private property. Um, so if you, for example, have a su successful business or whatnot, the government uh, or the police can come and basically take it away from you. Um, so... Um, and my parents lost a pretty big business in the 90s and they had to run and for their lives. So they moved from a small island in the Pacific, um, yeah, which was still in Russia, to the mainland. And um, yeah, they were running away. So it was not the safest place. Okay, where oh they were. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so they wanted me so to- So Russia has islands in the Pacific. Yes. Well, I'm going, we're talking like right up the, the top of the Pacific Ocean, I'm guessing. Yeah, so where I was born, um, the place is called Sakhalin Island. It's a huge island just north of Japan. Um, if you stand uh, on the, like the southernmost edge of the island in good weather, you can actually see Japan from there. So Man, Russia is fucking huge. We're all islanders. So that's like all yeah. above the top of the... That would be over the top of China then? 
So my hometown is uh, is about three hours um, away, flight time from Beijing, Tokyo, and uh, Seoul. So it's in this triangle of wow. countries in, in Asia, North. Must Asia. get a lot of interesting uh, like mixes of genes around that area. Not really. No, Not no, really. One, it's, no it's, one's mixing. It's mostly it's mostly Russians. We have an indigenous yeah. population that uh, looks, you know. A little Quite bit Asian, like Mongolian. Yes, kind of yes, yeah. kind of like Eskimos of, of Canada. What do you call that indigenous population? Uh, there's a whole bunch of different nations, okay, so sure. they don't have a, one particular name. Right, and that, Russia used to occupy um, Alaska, didn't they? Alaska was originally Russia, and then it went to the states. Or yeah, we actually sold it to the states. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. If I'm not wrong, the ship that was carrying the gold sunk, so we, we never actually got the money. Uh-huh. Yeah. Damn. Well, that's what they said anyway. Yeah. Probably never left the port. Yeah. But to, to be <laughs> honest, Russia was really overstretched and still is. So the far east of Russia where I'm from, it's... Um, my home state so is about... a lot th- of land to be occupying. Yeah. My home state is it's one of the regions there. It's about three times the size of France and we only have um, just under a million people living there. So it's very undeveloped. So a huge amount of like landmass. When you say your home state, do you mean the island that you were brought up on, or oh, the mainland, the mainland uh, part of that state, the islands closest to? So uh, there's a whole region (coughs) in Russia called the Far East, which is huge. It's probably twice the size of Australia, and it consists of five or six states. Uh, where I was born an island, that's a Sakhalin island, that's a separate state within the federal system. And then I moved to the mainland state of uh, Khabarovsk. So, and that's that's where I spent most of my life. I see. And because of the situation with your parents, they were understanding that for you, um, there's opportunity elsewhere and they were encouraging you, look, that's a great idea. You're motivated to move overseas. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead and do that. So you came here while you, uh, uh, yeah, when you came here then, where was your training at, say, and I'm, I'm trying to bring this back to, to strength because I'd love to talk about, you know, how you do things. Uh, who were you training with there or before you went to AIM? Was there, was there a, a crew? Most people have a, a bit of a crew that they, they rock with or were you solo with a few friends um, starting to get deeper into it? Yeah, so due to my personality, I've always trained solo primarily. Mm-hmm. That's just the type of person I am. And uh, I'm quite serious about my training, so it's always very structured, very regimented, mm-hmm. and not many people can vibe with that. So train solo most of the time. I stopped training for a few years when I was in uni, um, and I didn't do pretty much anything. I played volleyball. Uh, that's something that I used to play in back in Russia as well. So I used to compete for my school team and state team. And I played here for Sydney Uni for a couple of years as well until I twisted my ankle and decided that was enough. Great sport. Yeah, it's good. So it gives you a pretty good vertical jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started training calisthenics again uh, later at uni, about year four, probably when I was doing my honors thesis. Um, but the problem that I had with, uh, with my development, first of all, I had no idea of what I was doing, how to progress it. And I also had terrible mobility. So after years of playing volleyball, my lower body in particular was was wrecked because I, I never did um, exercises with full range of motion. I never stretched. And so I got to the point where I could only do a quarter squat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how bad it was. Did you in pain or you just restricted the movement? Just extremely restricted. Um, and my shoulders were pretty bad as well. I couldn't do any overhead stuff. I could probably lift it, you know, 
60 degrees high. Um, and so I, f I felt very limited. And eventually got to the point where I decided it was time to drop my ego and seek some coaching. Um, I started doing gymnastics classes at a place called uh, Lift Performance Center in Redford. Oh yes, no longer lift. exists. Yeah. Uh, and Spencer. Did you do the old Spencer? Yeah, Spenny, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started training with him. Cool. Okay. Um, oh, no around 2017. So I started doing group classes first, and then eventually ended up getting programming from Spencer for my own sessions. And that was primarily Edo stuff. So Edo, yeah. Yeah, and um, there was just a lot of 2, volume. 2,000 reps of <laughs> toe lifts. Yes, yes. So uh, two sessions <laughs> Three a day. hours. <laughs> yeah, four hours, I would say. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. Four hours a day. Um, but it got me going. Uh, For sure. So it finally started, Shit, started yeah. to move things with my mobility, lower body mobility in particular, because nothing could help me before. I tried yoga for a bit, but that didn't, didn't really do anything, even though I did it every day for like three months. And uh, yes, things started to shift. Um, mobility started to move and my upper body strength exploded as well um, <laughs> from, from that sort of training. I like your choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, just because, um, you know, uh, the progressions were right for me. I did a lot of eccentric work and stuff like that. Um, but eventually the volume caught up to me. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do that much training anymore. Um, I, I started dancing around the same time as well. And for about three months, I was doing two sessions a day of the Edo stuff uh, at the gym. So that's about three to four hours. And then I would go on and do two or three salsa classes. And then I'd go social dancing till like 11, 12, um, like 1 a.m. And I would do that about five or six nights a week. And I thought I was invincible because I could pull it <laughs> off. I thought I was superhuman. Um, and How long I, did this last for? About three months. Okay. Um, I, I was running on about six, six hours of sleep. I was super caffeinated. Um, but yeah, eventually my body just started to give up. Um, I was under recovering. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't eating well. And um, to support the training, yeah, and it, I also you looked fantastic, traveling. and that's all that matters, yeah. And the yeah. ladies loved it, <laughs> just put some sunglasses <laughs> over your eyes, yeah, for sure. And uh, it made me quite happy as well because um, I was doing a job at the time that, that didn't give me you know that much satisfaction. So, uh, through training, through dancing, I, I managed to find the state of flow, and so I got addicted to that. Um, and um, eventually, I also started traveling. Uh, quite often to Europe, to America, and uh, I told myself I could still train twice a day while I'm while I'm traveling, but that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> didn't happen. I ended up getting kicked out of a whole bunch of like CrossFit gyms in America <laughs> for doing weird Edo <laughs> stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because they just um, asked you, know, you to leave. <laughs> they never saw that stuff before, and they were like, "Oh, hey our, our insurance is Do not going to cover that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and eventually they don't uh, cover the lizard crawl. Yes. Yes. The waivers don't. <laughs> <laughs> they cover burpees though. Burpees and keeping pull-ups. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. No lizard crawls. No lizard crawls. Isn't that strange? Maybe they just didn't like, maybe it, because it was so foreign, like the patterns, it, it, it didn't. I can, I mean, I, when, if someone comes into the gym here and they start doing keeping pull-ups and shit like that, like I almost feel a little bit uncomfortable when I see it. I'm like, uh not really our style, you know? So I guess I could understand coming from that perspective, but maybe the insurance thing was an excuse more than anything. 
Maybe, just wasn't maybe it was cross personality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but uh, eventually I just I just realized I couldn't sustain that type of training, and I stopped again for a bit, and um, then I ended up connecting with Vic. So I did a workshop at his gym called Get Bent, which was all about like their mobility <laughs> methods, and it was a whole day workshop uh, with a whole bunch of coaches, and I think I was one of three guys that were just practitioners. And uh, I really connected to his philosophy of uh, making sure that the form is perfect, that um, you're doing everything that's, um, that works for your context, and you don't have to train six, six days a week, and you can, you can still get gains. So I ended up just signing up with him shortly after that. How many how many hours and days does Vic train? Because like, I don't know, just to let people at home know what Vic Hawksley is like. He's this the guy that you see on Instagram, like every month is doing some crazy new technique that somehow he's progressed to in a very short period of time, and you kind of like it's almost like you're just watching this guy kick goal after goal after goal. It's almost a little bit depressing because you're working on the same stuff and you're kind of plateauing <laughs> and you're just watching Vic continually progress. It's quite amazing. And I, I know he trains very hard and, um, and, and it's a credit, like a, this is the, the, I'm saying this from the utmost uh, uh, like compliments, but how much is this guy training? Is he, is he training like, is he, is he like an, is he training like an Edo disciple where he's doing four four hours a day, you know, six stop. days a week, or is he just very smart about it? Um, no, he definitely doesn't just train gene? that much. Maybe it's just a gene. <laughs> it's absurd. He's a genetic freak. <laughs> no. He's, <laughs> he's a hard amazing. worker. I think he's you're fun. being comical about it, but he is it, amazing. he's been training for a long, long time, and he's very, I think, you know, from the outside. I want to know the secret, and, that's all. Like, I'm... I'm keen to... Mate, ring him up. No, ego steps in the way. My, my ego <laughs> well, can't probably call him can't up. afford him. <laughs> um, Three kids. I think his secret is... Um, He's very consistent. the basics yeah. often, being very consistent. Uh, and he, and know, he doesn't veer from those paths, does he? Like he doesn't have these big breaks off the barbell or anything like that. Nope, nope. Um, as far as I'm aware, um, he, he does two to three sessions a week himself. And he tries to get other people involved as well. So that coach's development program that he does, uh, we all train together. So Wick is training with us and taking us through the movements. Uh, and in a way that creates that growth environment where you mm -hmm. push each other as well. But he definitely doesn't do the crazy amounts of volumes. Um, wow. He might have at Three a Three days a week. I don't believe that. I do. Sorry, Nick, I don't <laughs> believe that. <laughs> I'm talking about like hard training. Uh, he definitely like... When he's in classes, he's loading. He's doing a lot of demos and stuff like that. So he's yes. moving all the he's time. Moving, not doing any the demos aren't doing anything. Three days a week, mate. Mate, the guy is a beast. He's a beast. I'm gonna. Uh, sure? I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna call him on your I'm behalf. Calling I'm calling him. Come on. Oh, no. We, we need to get him on the days. podcast. I know that's <laughs> yeah, we what we need to do. I'd love to get him on. Perfect. He's a fucking great guy. He's full of energy. He's got huge, huge amount of energy. Three days a week. As far as I'm aware, he might be hiding. He might not be posting. <laughs> he's doing on the, secret the other sessions. Days sure, he's doing <laughs> secret sessions. <laughs> but he's doing very intense stuff. So mm -hmm. you know, he'd, he'd need to recover a lot from that. So maybe it is three days. Possibly, or well, whatever he's doing, it's working. Yeah. Uh, is his gym filled with people like him though? Like, is he? Is there just a bunch of beasts in there? Just 
Because I don't see it uh, like I only I see a lot of Vic, but I don't see a lot of um, what the 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 inner workings of of AIM. Uh, I wouldn't say that anyone in there has the same sort of personality as Vic. There's uh, only one, isn't there? Yeah, there's only one. So it is it is a dictatorship, but <laughs> he knows his stuff works, and uh, all the people that that go in there has uh, they have. You know the beginner's mind, and they yeah. they open, and they they're and they're learning, they're, they're progressing. Yeah, and yeah I've followed his path. Yeah, I've followed him for a long time, and I've seen a lot of general population getting extremely strong. And he's got the silverback guy. Oh um, yeah, yeah. You know, and I watched him go from pretty tight and not particularly mobile to uh, or strong. Yeah, he's uh, to now he amazing. does. You know, a lot of everything that freaking I do. It's killing it. And there's lots of people in the, in the gym that seem to be doing that. So you benefited from your time there. How long were you there for? And um, I guess how would, can I ask, how has that affected your training today? There's a lot of influence there. Yeah, good question. How did you melt that into, you know, what you're doing now? I was there for about a year overall, I think. Most of the time I was there as a, just a, as a tribe member. And eventually, um, when I started doing my third floor to become a, a coach, I joined the coaches development program mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, you mentioned that. <clears throat> yep. So in terms of how it changed my philosophy, number one, realizing that you don't have to train six days a week for four hours to get good gains. Uh, that was the biggest realization for me. Also, practicing the basics. So making sure that uh, the foundational movements are always there um, and you internalize that strength and don't just chase fancy movements all the time. That patient approach, that more humble approach, uh, was the biggest game changer because I ended up, you know, getting things like one arm chins, um, you know, pelicans, all the fancy things that I can do now that I was chasing doing Edo stuff but couldn't get, I ended up getting with week. And I wasn't training nearly as much. But the, the basics were there. The regressions were there and the recovery was there. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. So were your weeks looking a bit like what we were talking about with Vic? It would be uh, two to three focused sessions at a high intensity. Yeah, so back then I was part of a squad. So um, a squad is a thing they have at AIM. You're taking these notes down, Paul? Yeah. I am. Great. Yeah, so training squad, it's kind of like a small group. <laughs> so there will be four people in the squad each one would have their own program and there would be one coach there to look after them. Uh, and on top of that, you do group classes. So I would end up doing about four or five group classes uh, spread over three days and uh, on squad. And that, that would be it for me. Um, so that was definitely not as much as I was doing before with Edo. Even though it was still seven sessions. And it still yeah. felt like getting similar results or yeah. even off better yeah even if i did like two sessions a week or sometimes just one session a week which i eventually ended up doing uh during covid i would just do like one or two training sessions a week i noticed that i could still gain progress in high intensity movements so yeah just that realization that if you do things correctly if you're humble if you're patient then the gains will come and the consistency is a very key factor for that isn't it absolutely um I've just got even more respect for Vic Hawksley now than I had before. And I had a lot for him before this podcast, but yeah, it's good. It's good to know that you, um, that you've been there, absorbed a whole bunch of stuff from him. And then you come to us and 
what uh, differences did you notice coming into Jungle Brothers from um, from AIM? Well, I got to say the biggest difference is um, the freedom of expression uh, because Jungle Brothers um, has all these people training different things in the gym, be it we uh, classes, you know, there's martial arts, uh, there's, you know, lifting and uh, calisthenics and so on. Break or people dance, just... Some of the break dancing in the yeah. corner, other people doing acrobatics. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there's the, it's an open gym, so you can pra- come and do your own thing, which is not the case in AIM. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so that gives yeah, you a sense of freedom. Yeah, I didn't realise it was, it was like that there, but in any case, yeah, our, um, our open gym, just for listeners, isn't, uh, isn't necessarily you can come in here and do absolutely anything that you want to do. There's freedom, uh, although um, we, we were obviously going to look out for, for anyone who's doing something that might be dangerous, harmful. If you move like shit, you can't if, do Yeah, it. pretty much. So it <laughs> comes like in the ethos really, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually in our teens as well. <laughs> so, so Open Gym kind of has to have a – you have to be either working on a program with someone here or it needs to be signed off by a coach in here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have – pretty trustworthy members in here and people come to us because they know our philosophy and it's kind of ingrained in them. So I guess I was just saying. We do like it, experts in the field express, uh, yeah. practicing self-expression in the gym yes. without a doubt, you know. But because uh, I, I had a guy come and rush into the doors. So oh, what do you guys do here? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, can I bring in my tire and my hammer here? And I was like, <laughs> mm. he's like, are you guys classes only? I was like, oh, we got open gym in the middle and you know, that's part of the product. And he was like, yeah, I've been doing tire and hammer for a long time. It's what I feel is really good for me. And he's like, can I bring it in here? I was like, oh, no. fuck. <laughs> we had a tire once. Yes. It ended up at, I think it actually ended up at lift. It came from CrossFit okay. around the corner. Oh, wow. And then we were like, yeah, we'll use that. And it sat there and fucking filled with water and became a mosquito bloody larvae thing and then we then those guys lift took it and then it ended up just doing the rounds all around sydney because everyone <laughs> was looking at the whole tire <laughs> like flipping tires and bashing them with sledgehammers it was all over youtube and shit you remember that i don't actually probably just erased it from my memory banks we've had a lot of different bits of equipment end up in our gym and it finds go us out the people want to donate things you know yeah um, still getting well. That. It's great, but like obviously, there's not absolute whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah, you feel yeah. Like you yes. know, freedom yeah. in here, you have to fit in within the, within the culture and make sure that you know what you're well. doing. You gotta move well. So that was a big that was a big thing. For you. I didn't realize it was like that. So I can understand that being able to come in here and um and do a bit of salsa for yourself or train your own program, even within the same yeah same kind of framework. While we're taking notes around you, <laughs> just yeah. And the community as well, stuff. actually. That, that was the the biggest thing I connected with. Um, okay, cool. That that uh, feeling of freedom and different styles and people with different interests um, makes the community a lot more vibrant. And that's something that um, my very first day after sign, I signed up for the internship, I came here to train. And that was uh, the last week before the COVID shutdown. Uh, oh, yeah. I just fell in love with the place because uh, Marco was training handstands and he was giving me tips and stuff. Um, Joey was doing his own stuff and then there was a class running, there was jits upstairs and everyone was super friendly uh, and the crowd was super diverse and just the place was full of uh, life and I just fell in love with that. Fantastic. That's great. Um, so you did your, your cert for, did you finish before you came here? 
you were already finished? Yeah. Yeah, some I, time ago. I was already working in a studio in the city. Okay. So it was a yep. personal training studio. Uh, but the culture uh, and the environment just wasn't... Uh, there at all. It wasn't there. It was just <laughs> old school kind yes, of... Uh, yeah. Kind of like, what's that place called? The McDonald's of personal training. Vision? Make a vision. Yeah, kind of no. like Vision, but... <laughs> There's okay. a fancier name and sure. a better logo. Okay, so you're already doing, doing PT and then like how was that for you? Uh, what type of people do you usually work with um, and what type of people do you enjoy to work with and, and obviously using your body weight methods in those sessions, how is your, how is your coaching going at the moment? Yeah, so Tell at us. the moment I primarily do online coaching. So that's something that I transitioned into when COVID hit. Um, I actually just stopped uh, doing PT in that studio just before COVID. So, and I thought I would be doing like outdoor classes and stuff. And in a way that was a perfect storm. So uh, I picked up a bunch of clients uh, from primarily places like Russia, America, and Japan through various connections, uh, like dancing, for example. So I work with a few people that I dance salsa and they want to improve their you know, core conditioning and mobility. Uh, for that in particular, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's been the the majority of my coaching work. So just uh, online coaching uh, and strength for dancing. Strength for dancing. Although wow. I I don't really want to make it my niche uh, because it's it's very narrow, and I don't do that much dancing myself anymore. Um, I just use body weight strength as a foundation for for anything that people can do. So if you have like a, an active hobby. Be it, a cl- be it climbing or dancing or mountain biking, body weight strength is the best foundation for making sure that you know you can push through it and get to the top and not get injured. Uh, that's if you do it right. Um, so I started coaching here after finishing the internship. So I've been having a blast uh, with the group classes with cool. the tribe, and now I'm I'm looking to start you know my PT and small groups in here. So. Uh, you know, be it with tribe members or just bringing uh, my own little community in here. So that's that's what's in the works at the moment. Unreal. Got to ask, uh, muscle building, body weight training, get people ask you about that? They do. Can it build muscle? They do. Um, of course you can. Like, it's not really about the style of training that you do. It's about the stimulus that you need. So as we all know, as coaches, uh there's three main conditions you need to achieve to build muscle. So you need a proper training stimulus. Uh, you need to create uh, a surplus in calories. And you need to make sure your hormones are right. So, you know, that involves things like uh, sleep recovery, um, you know, getting enough sunlight and stuff like that. So training stimulus, um, people think with body weight training that since you're only using your body weight, you just get adapted to that and that's it. You stop growing. Uh, but in reality, there's a whole bunch of ways in which you can make sure that you create enough stimulus to build muscle. Um, so the primary things where muscle grow, growth comes from is number one is uh, mechanical tension. And that comes from doing high intensity movements, one to five reps. That's where you create the big in- tension. So that could be high level calisthenic skills such as you know livers, planches. If you spend enough time under tension in those, you will get that stimulus. So that's one of the things you can build muscle. Number two would be metabolic damage. 
So if you do things with moderate intensity, you do you know eight to fifteen reps, your blood vessels starts to start to thin, and then you create a lack of oxygen and a buildup of metabolic products such as lactate, um, hydrogen ions, phosphate, and so on. That's where you get that burning sensation, the pump. So that's one of the mechanisms that contributes to uh, muscle growth as well. And lastly, it's muscle damage, and that's what you get via training. And by the way, training is a great way to achieve all of those things if you know what you're doing. So knowing the progressions and regressions, knowing how to load it and take it to the next level, knowing how to um, achieve optimal volume will ensure that you can build muscle through that. Uh, But the best things about bodyweight training is it ensures that you don't get out of balance. So it's things like lifting or if you're using machines at the gym, people get a lot of imbalances. Um, you can get away with having a weak core, uh, you know, and still build muscle, whereas in calisthenics, it forces you to to have some sort of balance going on, which is why I like it so much. Preach. Yeah, I like how you really, uh, you explained that. Um, I wanted to ask you, with training people um, for building muscle or otherwise, they, they come to you, do most people come to you for body weight training? And more, my question is more, if someone comes to you that doesn't know much about body weight training, they're kind of a beginner and they, they want to start, like from my experience, uh, body weight training, it's difficult because you have to build body awareness first. Um, so you can create those mechanical tensions. So you can be using, you know, compound movements, keeping your core tight, etc. Um how do you uh, approach training a beginner to body weight training? Um, and, you know, if there were any common pitfalls for that or, or tips for beginners with body weight training, you know, share. I'd say number one thing is managing expectations. Um, mm. So I just want to make sure um, at this stage of my coaching career that I only work people as I like. And one of the primary indicators of that is uh, they want to. They're not looking for quick gains. They want to learn the foundations, the foundational principles that are required to take them long-term to you know long-term gains. And it takes a bit of learning. So in the beginning, you're most likely not going to be doing fancy stuff. You're going to be learning, um, you know, how to brace, how to breathe, how to use your scapula, which most people starting bodyweight training they have no no idea that they have, you know, the most important joint in their body that they don't know how to control. So I would take people through, you know, a foundation course of six weeks where we just do that stuff. And, um, you know, it's not going to be fancy. It's going to be slow, but it's going to set them up for the long-term success and make sure they don't, don't make the same mistakes I did when I started out, which was, you know, um, not using my scap, not using the full range of motion and getting super restricted, uh, burning out getting injuries and all those things. So if you can start slow and make sure they learn stuff that they need, then, you know, long-term progress is guaranteed if they stick to it. 100%. Great way to, great place to start for people. Laid out for them. Yeah. Managing expectations, super important. Not just in vital training, anything where there's a, you know, a client, um, you know, and service provider relationship. You don't want to, you don't want to overpromise things, uh, and you want to you want to set the expectations right from the get go. And if they have the right mindset for for growth, how do you get the leads on Facebook though, without overpromising? <laughs> overpromising, 
Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm joking. That's, um, I guess you gotta like pancake. You gotta like communicate intentionally. Communicate intentionally. Mm-hmm. Six week pancake. Yes. Mm. Yeah. You like want that? Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, you want to select for people that are not looking for that. Yes. Uh, and you might not get as many likes and stuff, but long term, that's that's going to make sure that you're working with the right people. And um, I started out coaching while still working an engineering job, and I had to get back to that uh, during COVID as well because I had to support my parents who were going through a bit of a struggle. So I'm still doing engineering job on the side and that gives okay. me a stable income. Yep. That makes sure that I don't have to, to work with people that I don't want to work with and really focus on building the long-term foundation that I will enjoy working with. Good. So, yeah. Long-term relationships. Exactly. Um, that's really how people get the benefits right. As you said, it's, it's long-term. It doesn't happen fast. And a big part of it is the context, building the, the, the expectations, but also building the relationship that keeps you guys both in the process for long enough for you to realise those benefits and beyond, right? Yeah, and it's cumulative <coughs> interest, just like in finance. Uh, you know, your money just grows faster if you keep it there for longer. Uh, same thing with, with training, uh, and same things with relationships, you know, be it a coach-client relationship. The more trust you build, uh, the more you understand each other and understand the process, the longer, um, the greater um, potential you can fulfill in that relationship. Cool. How many uh, online students do you think you, you have now? At, at the moment, I'm only coaching five people. Yeah. So that's um, that's the high high attention program that's that's the only product i have and um, i primarily do um, video reviews for that so there, there's no live training usually and we we have a one-on-one like zoom session with those people once a week where we catch up and go through any problems any problems or progress they have in their sessions and uh, their lifestyle and any other questions stuff like that yeah cool and um so you're balancing the engineering job and you're kind of in a transition coming here we're so happy to have you uh, are you looking for for one-on-one doing some face-to-face training with a group or here absolutely now? Yeah. so it's one of the best one of the best ways to um to build your coaching craft working with people uh in person one-on-one in particular so i'm looking to build that and eventually start small groups as well Okay, see. What's um what's your training look like at the moment? Can I ask? Or and in that like are you yeah, are you focusing on any one particular thing at the moment? Uh any skills or Yep. So I don't do much um much of the fancy calisthenic stuff regularly anymore. What would you what what's a what would give us an example of what a fancy calisthenics thing would be? So things like uh, a planche, for example, or um you know, front lever. Uh, I've achieved a certain amount of success in those movements. And I realized over time that naturally, you know, due to my body type and genetics, it's very easy for me to get strong in those movements. Uh, And I don't have to train as much. So if I do it, you know, once a week or a couple of times a week, it's enough for me to progress. Where I'm still quite restricted is in my lower body mobility, in my lower back. So I'm taking a lot more time to tap into that and open up my hips and get stronger in there. And that, that takes quite a bit of time. Also started doing jits in here. Uh, 
So what are you like, doing? Getting mobile or getting immobile? <laughs> Which yeah, one yeah, are you I'm just a bit broken. Yeah. yeah. So current, currently not not training that uh, for the last couple of weeks since I got a busted toe. That's right. Yeah. yeah no um, busted toe on the yeah. jiu-jitsu mat. Uh, just a bit of bit of pain here and there. I think my mistake was that I just tried to muscle my way out of things mm. uh, as a keen white belt. And I just need to tap early. And, you know, when I don't know the right technique to get out of a thing, I'll just, I'll just tap. It's not worth it. Tap you know. early, tap often. Yeah, yeah. Easier that way. Yes. And I still do a bit of dance. Uh, so once, once a week. So that's, that's my salsa practice. Uh, I do it with my partner. We're training for a choreography at the moment as well, which we're going to perform soon in May. Wow. Yeah, can you tell us more about the dance? Because I really love that that's part of of you and, and having someone in here that does dance. I love dance. I appreciate it. Haven't done hardly any, and I, I would like to. I just, I see it as, we've always seen it as the, the one of the greatest, you know, expressions of movement. Um, what? How did you get into it? And, you know, what does it look like now? Was it salsa? Did you fall straight into salsa? Or did you try a few things? Was it a group of people that you just spoke to you and you're like, yeah, let's get deep? Well, um, what does uh, it mean to you? A lot great, of joy. Really great I mean, your, your face is already lighting up. <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah, so I, I wanted to try salsa for a long time since my early uni days. But um, was it the music or was it? It's just uh, the expression of joy in people's faces when I when so I look at them. Eh? Yeah, so true. That was the that was the training style that. Uh, sorry, not the training style. The dance style uh, that seemed like. Was the, was the most natural for people and I wanted to tap into that. So around the same time I started training with Spencer, I just signed up for my first salsa class and uh, it really sucked. <laughs> Hadn't had any experience in dancing before that? None, none. And Because uh, you're really good all, now, I've seen you. You're oh, thank you. Thank amazing. you. I was always terrible on dance floor, like school parties and whatnot, because partly I was so, because I was so tight in my body, uh, but I was also like insecure. Um, like I, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I thought I couldn't move, so therefore I didn't. And so once I started um, doing it regularly, like three to three days a week, uh, it just started to click. And once it started to click, I started going social dancing all the time. And yeah, it just became a huge part of my life. And I, I got into the flow state. Like it made me forget about whatever problems I had during the day, about my job I wasn't enjoying at the time. And I took it to a pretty high level at the time. I ended up uh, doing a few choreos and I ended up competing in the biggest competition in Australia. The, it's called the World Salsa Solo in Brisbane. So I ended up competing just about a year and a half after I first stepped into it. Does that studio. mean you danced solo? Uh, for no, your, no. Okay. So the solo competition was the highlight of that event. But I actually did a, a duet with my teacher. So it was a chance to do it. So we didn't do partner work, mm. but we did like a synchronized. Uh, okay, you sure. Yes, I was going to do partner work as well, but the person I was trading with just pulled out because she couldn't handle the pressure. <laughs> Dude, where well, you yeah. were just steel, steel nerves? Uh, no, <laughs> but I was, I was much better at hiding it and just pushing through it, I think. So, I mean, in what was about 18 months since you started, did you have a natural propensity towards salsa were you kind of naturally good at it once you once you started or was this hard work just it was just really grinding? hard work wow. and, but i realized if you put enough effort into it and you stick to it you know you can learn it 
And once it starts starts clicking, you can add the self-expression bit. So once you you know the structure of the music, you know uh, the different movements, different partners, then you can start to get cheeky and um, unlock yourself and forget about the rest of the world. That's so incredible. Yeah. Um, how many years ago was this when you started? I started around July 2017. Uh, I had a break though. So in 2019, when I did my third four, I wasn't dancing. So for seven months, I just didn't do anything. How did that make you feel? Were you aware that there was, a, was there a bit of a, a void there that you were like, oh, I need to get back soon? Uh, yes, but I was also making sure that it wasn't no longer an addiction. It was no longer an escape from the life that was otherwise unsatisfying. Mm. So I redefined my relationship with it. And when I got back, I was, I was better uh, in terms of, um, you know, my attitude to salsa. I didn't need to escape five, five nights a week anymore. I could go once a week and have a blast and then, you know, forget about it. And then I also did a bit of a teaching for about nine months or so. Mm -hmm after I got back. So um, that made me a much better communicator and uh, a better dancer as well. I don't do any teaching anymore and I don't do as much training for it anymore, but I still I still enjoy dancing. Like when, when I get in the zone, uh, it's one of the best experiences in the world. It's fantastic. I, I really, I can see that your face light up and I, I've heard this from other people before about dancing or about whatever it is that they really love. And um, I guess it just, for me, I really love seeing someone who's found the thing that brings them like all that joy. So it's almost like it, you had a time where salsa wasn't in your life and you have now salsa and it's always kind of there and it's part of your life. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's infectious, that joy, you know, when you see someone talking yeah. about something that brings them Man, I, know, I want. Yeah, you say the zone. I'm like, I want to go to the zone. <laughs> I want to go there. Yeah, maybe we should run another workshop here. That'd be sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, the zone's an interesting place. And you speak about flow state and, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard of it. I haven't really studied it because I think it's in some um, like Eastern philosophies, this idea of flow state. Um, I haven't read anything specific on it, but I'm kind of aware of what that means. Um, I don't know a, a, a definition of it, but... Um, it is, I can, I've always thought of it and related it to like something where you forget about everything and you're just in a kind of a pure state of joy and you're just going with it. And and most of the time a flow state I feel is, well, the way that I see is it exists in um, things that are, have something physical that is part of it. Like, I guess you can get into flow state on a video game, but it's just not how I relate to flow state. Flow state is like, me playing um, soccer and every ball that touches my foot drops exactly where I want it. Every touch is magic. The angles we're hitting, the runs we're making, we're playing like it's just everything is in sync. You'll, you feel so light on your feet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you explain like flow state for you? For me, it's, it's about being connected to what you're doing. So um, in salsa, for example... Uh, you, you connect it to the music, you connect it to your partner, because it's a partner dance, you connect it uh, to your body, um, and you, you're doing something that's engaging, that's not too easy, but it's also not so challenging that uh, you, know, you can't enjoy it. And so a combination of all those things makes make yeah, sure yeah, that you're sure. in a flow state. Uh, it doesn't have to be physical, I think. Um, I can find flow states in learning, uh, mm. in coding, 
sure. uh, for example, or writing as well. But it's, it just has to be at the perfect level of challenge and it has to be something that you care about that uh, stimulates you. For sure. And that's individual for everybody. Yeah, um, and I, I guess what I wanted to ask was um, with that experiences that you have with Salsa and you could see it as kind of two different things at what you're doing, say strength training, body weight, physical pursuits. Um, there's a physicality is a common thing there. Um, and But that flow state in dancing where it's movement and there's a high level of coordination and focus that goes on in every step where you put your, you know, your weight, holding your partner, catching. I guess I'm trying to make a, a bridge between that and the body weight training, which is, you know, and we're talking about uh, sessions of training, sets and reps and the science involved with it um, and then slow progression and it's, there's no cardio involved in it. So you don't get those, that endorphin type of experience on top of it. How do you see both of those two things in your life? And is, is there a crossover there? I think it's it's different. Uh, it's definitely not as um, open-ended as salsa, for example. Uh, it's a lot more structured um, if, you, if you do it right, uh, if you're not mm. doing just random stuff. But you can find flow in that. Uh, you connect to the to the movement. You understand what your body is mo- is doing. You're self aware, um, and um, you connect with the process. Even though it could be slow and uh, tedious at times, you can still find flow with that. Some people though need a lot more variety and a lot more fun. That's mm-hmm. why we have you know those things in in our bodyweight classes. Um, you know, there's some movements that are more so on the skill level. Um, you know, things like um, skin the cats or there's some balancing, hand balancing, for example. Oh, yeah. So you're yeah. referring to the overreach portion of our body weight yes, training? Yes, Just anything that's that's more of a, not just a one-dimensional movement, you know, sure. where there's a bit of um, skill involved. So that that could be great for flow. And um, things like Metcon, when you just, uh, you're not thinking about anything, you just got to get through the work and you're not resting in between. Uh, so it's different, but the concept still is the same still is the same uh, as long as it's not too easy and not too overwhelming and you really connect with it you're not like thinking about what happened yesterday or what you have to do for work then you can be in the flow state yeah i i it's not that i don't believe it. I, I just want to see your perspective on I, I i agree like i find that as well um is there like i feel that i, I can definitely be in a session and i see what it needs to be done and especially if i'm with a partner and I have a very clear what's what needs to be done and I'm on a time and I have rest periods and I can just be focused on it and it's it's mad, you know. Um, I wonder like is there do you do anything that um, that enhances the flow state while you're training bodyweight training? And I guess I'm thinking of uh, music. Do you use music or something like that? I've been playing with this lately with my, one of my small groups and it came out of a uh, influence from uh, Keishi, who come, who's the Persian yoga guy yep. from the eastern suburbs. Oh, he's from Persia, but um, are you aware of him? And he's Yeah, I've seen his workshop ads. Okay. I've never, never attended them. Okay, well, it was more about the, um, the, the kind of energy that he creates within the session because – their type of strength and conditioning comes out of a culture and the culture in Persia is surrounds this strength training, these temples of strength 
and it's it's group, um, and whether you're group or not, there's other elements there that um, that work. And and he has these, you know, there, there seems to be a themes of uh, symmetry and uh, synchronicity with reps with the group. Um, and and anyway, I thought I'd just get your your <laughs> thoughts on it because I really connected to that when I did the workshop, and in my small group, or if I'm in the class, uh, I don't do it religiously, but I, I will, I'll try to, with a small group, I'll say I've got three guys in there. I place the boxes in a triangle so everyone's facing each other. And, you know, sometimes you do the reps together. I think Vic does a lot of that as well. And it, it builds some sort of like energy between the people training. You kind of get know what I'm getting at? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, things like music can definitely help. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I would use like context specific music. So if I'm busting out reps, I would use something upbeat, uh, especially, yes. you know, if it's about the same rhythm where it's like one beat per rep or something like that. Um, that would be convenient. Yes, yes, that would be convenient. Rather than the, the metronome that we often use. Yeah, if I'm doing like mobility session or something where I have to relax a bit more, or if I'm doing a lot of static holds, uh, that kind of music would be detrimental. So I would use something a lot more flowy, something a lot less testosterone <laughs> filled. Uh, so sure. yeah, so that that will definitely help you connect with it. Another big thing is like your mind has to be in the right space. So because music can be distracting too. Uh, yeah, you know, not just that it's it's harsh, but maybe it's taking your mind elsewhere because you're listening to the lyrics. So, it, I think it's it depends on your personality and sure. individual context. Yeah, yeah, whether yeah, you connect yeah. with the lyrics or not, and um, different people have different ability to focus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, highly individual, but music can definitely be a great tool to help you connect with training. Um, I would say be mindful, be self-aware, connect to your body. Um, so make sh- you know things like meditation. It's it's a cliche these days, but if you go into a training session and you use it as a tool to disconnect from from the world, uh, if you have unresolved issues in your mind, still it's going to prevent you from you know getting most out of it. So do what you got to do to get out of your mind, do meditation, you know, solve the problems that you need to solve, that's going to help you as well. Uh, and as we know, stress is going to prevent you from getting solid gains too. So, It's so true. Whenever you rush a workout, because yeah. it's, it's in your program, it's that day and you usually get it done, but you're short of time or whatever it is, your mind's elsewhere. It's never a really good session, is it? Nope, nope. So... Yeah, it's it's mental game as much as it's physical game, if not more, I would argue. So you have to be really connected with the work. Otherwise, you know, you're getting the full benefits and you have, you know, high chances of getting injured and stuff like that. For sure. Um, cool. Well, um, what's next for you? You're coaching here on Thursdays as a regular thing now? Yep, it is a regular thing. Um, doing a lot of covers these days. Uh, on other days and yeah so moving on to getting some pt in the house as well in the house yeah so people that are interested in bodyweight strengths um you know from beginner to uh intermediate level i guess uh that's that's the bulk of what i would want to do in my sessions of course i'm uh, like i'll be doing weights and stuff like that these are all just tools but bodyweight training as a as a best foundation for people, I would be, you know, focusing on that a lot. So it's it, what you're most passionate about. It's what it's what I'm most passionate about, and that's 
as a, as a personal belief, since it's the most accessible and it forces your body to work as a functional unit, I utilize it a lot, you know, with myself and my clients. Do you see yourself uh, continuing to coach salsa? Uh, I stopped. So I, I stopped a few months ago. Oh, that's uh, right. I don't do it anymore. Where I see myself going in the future is developing more of um, education and courses on things like bodyweight training, uh, you know, lifestyle training, recovery, and so on. Uh, because even though I'm in coaching, uh, I don't like repeating myself. <laughs> so I try <laughs> to develop more materials to make sure my clients and people that follow me learn those concepts and internalize them. So that's that's where I see myself in like the long term, looking at myself as more of an educator rather than um, a coach. Very cool. Um, where are you with that now? Just because you mentioned you've got online people yeah. and I, I'm not sure how they came to you, whether it was network or do you have a site somewhere? Have you already started to build those sorts of assets, I suppose? Yeah, so I have a website, uh, nickgolkin.com. Uh, so I've done a bit of long-form material in there in terms of blogs. Um, so I'll be writing a lot more in there. In cool, the I'm going to check it out. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Uh, and then... Um, There's no o uh, course offering yet or anything? No, nothing just like there. that. So that's, that's going to be in that's development in the next few months. So potentially just, you know, foundational bodyway training as a, as a first course material will be there. Very cool. Soon. Um, the last couple of weeks um, inside of the gym for the listeners, we started a, a business development course for PTs in, in the gym. And, you know, it's a business. There's a money side of it. Um, and there's like a business structure side of it. There's the coaching side of it and there's marketing, etc. And we started a couple of weeks ago and, you know, it's a good timing having you come in here. How you, how you finding the session? They're being run by our coach, uh, Azza Howley. Yeah, shout out shout to Azza. Oh, there he is right there. What's up, bro? <laughs> um, it's cool. Like, uh, I, uh, how are those sessions going? Are you finding them useful? Yeah, they, they're great. Um, some of the material um, I've already been familiar with since I've, I've worked with a business coach before. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're great in terms of refreshing and also group accountability. Since That's we're it, all hey. here uh, yep. sitting in a circle, sharing our wins and lessons and our plans with each other. So I think that's the biggest benefit. That yeah, I feel it. You can feel the energy like, um, and you know, we're setting the, this task and there's a bit of homework and you're right. Like I've heard some of these things before, but it's like knowledge is nothing without the action, right? Exactly. So I can feel the energy building. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that group goes and how you build what you're speaking of and how you go um, in the years to come. Thank you. Exciting Thank you. stuff. Um, pretty pumped we've got a good community here and it doesn't feel like we're in, in competition we feel like we we can grow all together yes everyone yeah. in the gym well that's what we're all about here it's a big collaborative effort with shared knowledge between the coaches we're working side by side on the floor there's plenty of there's plenty of uh, people who who need help here you know uh, out there rather and um it's a great great i i think it's a good work environment i enjoy it here <laughs> And yeah, um, yeah I, it's great to hear that when you came here, you felt welcomed and yeah, it's going to be a good future here. Um, you mentioned uh, nickgolkin.com, but where else can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram as well, uh, nick underscore golkin, G-O-L-K-I-N. Or you can shoot me a friend request on Facebook, Nick Golkin as well. But I would say Instagram and the website would be uh, the best points. 
to, cool. to find out about me. Any final messages to people out there thinking, I'd like to be a bodyweight beast also? Um, the best message I would say, if, if I could put it on a billboard, I would put it everywhere. Oh. Drop the ego and learn, learn what the right way is. Um, it could be, you know, it could take a lot longer, uh, but long term, uh, it will take you a lot further. Drop the ego. Yeah. It's so true. It's funny because T mentioned ego before. He was like, I can't call it. My ego gets <laughs> Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice, man. Okay, it was great to have you on. Um, uh, listeners out there, you got the details there. Reach out if you want to find Nick or if you want help with your training or you're interested in any events we're having. Uh, I mentioned the BJJ Beginners Workshop next weekend, April, or this weekend, if you're listening to it, April 17th. Um, also, the Coaches Internship Intensive, which is May, weekend of May, 8th and 9th, Saturday, Sunday. Um, a really great thing there. Uh, reach out to us for that. Help with your training, whatever it is. Junglebrothers.com, Instagram, Facebook. Come and find us. Thanks, listeners. Cheers. Thanks, Nick.